Good evening, church. It is wonderful to be the reflection of Jesus. The big dis- the discussion a long time ago was that Jesus took the light. But the reality is that he left the light. Uh, and we are that reflection of our great God. So let's continue to be that great reflection of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. It's great to see each of you here this evening. Um, members and visitors of light, we praise God for your attendance. Let's uh, go to God in prayer, please. Heavenly Father, hallowed be your great and amazing name. We pray that your will be done on earth, Lord God, as it is in heaven. Bless us, Lord God, that the day you arrive and come back, please take us home with you. We pray, Lord God, that your will be done in our life and that tonight, as this morning, something will be said through your word, the hearing of your word, as you read your word daily, that something will be said daily from your word that will strengthen us and help us to continue to fight the good fight of faith. Thank you for our Lord and Savior who died that we might live. It's in his precious name we pray and thank you if it be thy will. Amen. We're going to Exodus. Last week we looked at Pilate. We were discussing uh, the blind eyes of, um, of, of individuals. And, and so it's kind of also common sense, right? It's like, um, you know one thing to be true. Therefore, uh, if you're looking at premises and conclusions, then it, it brings you to a logical conclusion. And so we're looking at uh, Moses today and Pharaoh for just a moment, and then we'll get into the rest of our lesson. So they knew Moses before he left Egypt, right? When Moses came back, he was a different man. Now, look, look at Exodus 2 in verse 10. And the child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she named him Moses and said, Because I drew him out of the water. Now, it came about in those days when Moses had grown up that he went out to his brethren and looked on their hard labors, and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew one. Of his brother. The first Moses would have never done that. But here comes this Moses that's now all of a sudden, he's changing a little bit. He's a little bit different. Now he's thinking about the Hebrews in a way he never has before. Turn to Exodus chapter 4. He, he killed an Egyptian who was injuring, if you will, a Hebrew. He flees for his life. Exodus 4, he meets God. Verse 8, And it shall come about that if they will not believe you or he, the witness of the first sign. They may believe the witness of the last sign. But if they shall, uh, but it shall be that if they will not believe in even these two signs or heed what you say, then you shall take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground, and the water which you take from the Nile will become blood on the dry ground. So here's evidence that Moses is different. Chapter 8, verse 13. In a different way, he now is, has visioned and envisioned and seen and knows God. Verse 13. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses, and the frogs died out of the houses, the courts, and the fields. So they piled them in heaps, and the land became foul. But when Pharaoh saw that there was relief, he hardened his heart and did not listen to them as the Lord had said. And so... Pharaoh closed his heart 
to what he knows to be true. Moses could not perform miracles when he left. But when he came back, he was a different man. He must have seen some deity. He must have seen God. Chapter 9 and verse 27. But it didn't, it didn't stop him from closing his heart or closing his eyes. Then Pharaoh sent for Moses and Aaron and said to them, I have sinned this time. The Lord is the righteous one, and I and my people are the wicked ones. Make supplication to the Lord, for there has been enough of God's thunder and hail, and I will let you go, and you shall stay no longer. Now Pharaoh acknowledges God, but what does he do? He closes his eyes to the truth. Right? You know, later on he goes after them in the Red Sea. Here's the evidence right in front of you. Why would you close your eyes to the truth? Psalm 19. So the blinders that we sometimes put on our eyes, uh, it makes no common sense, right? It defies common sense. Here's something in front of you, all of the evidence is there, and yet sometimes we close our eyes to the truth. Even the Bible. You ever study with someone and you, they ask you a question about the Word of God and you, you share the answer. You read it, uh, right here. You read it on the pages of Scripture and they still close their eyes to it. They say, well, no, I don't, I don't see that. I don't, I say, well, it's, let's read it again. And you can read it five times and they'll still say, well, I don't, I don't agree with that. I can't see that. Sometimes we just close our eyes. And we have blind eyes when it comes to, to God and the relationship with the Lord. Well, think about it for just a moment. When you, if you've studied, I'm sure you have, you've studied with people who call themselves atheists or agnostics or, you know, whatever their, their belief may be, in the sense that they're saying, we really don't believe there's a, a single deity or there is a God. We, and they give you all these explanations that they've read that they don't truly understand. And then we just go to the simple stuff, right? Like Psalm 19 and verse 1. The heavens are telling of the glory of God. And their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. Day to day pour forth speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their utterances to the end of the world. In them he has placed a tent for the sun. Now, when I was little growing up, I look up at the sun and go, well, I didn't put that there. And I know no human has put that there. How did it get there? There must be someone greater than the sun. Right? I mean, that's kind of obvious. That's just common sense. So you talk to you, you know, people that don't believe in God, and you say, well, how did the sun, how did it get there? Now, you, you, you try to tell me a bang, but reality, you know that's not true. Right? They know common sense defies that whole idea. God says that the sun continues to do or run its course. Verse 5 which is a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. It rejoices as a strong man to run his course. Its rising is from one end of the heavens and its circuit to the other end of them. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. And then I ask, well, what keeps that gas ball burning? It's been burning for a long And you say 40 billion years. Well, what's kept it burning? What do you know that can burn for 40 billion years? Using your own words. Well, nothing. Well, common sense tells you. Someone greater, something greater than the sun, is, a, is alive and well. Right? The point of that is, is that God is saying, you can look up at the sun, 
the moon, and the stars understand their purpose to whatever level or extent. If you can understand that with just common sense, you've got to be able to get the rest of the story. Look at verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold, yes, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. They'll just read the Bible and allow God to speak. And so in in college, you take these classes, apologetics, you know, it's defending the truth, you know, etc. Just common sense. Turn to Romans chapter 1. I'm not making light of of anyone's uh, disbelief or or misunderstanding, but if you just appeal to common sense oftentimes, uh, you can help many folks who are lost to come to the truth. We didn't make the sun. We didn't put it there. We can't replicate it. We have never replicated it. That's enough evidence, isn't it? We have never replicated a sun. And we still believe it just popped up one day? Absolutely not. Common sense says absolutely not. And the moon. So God says this, verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all unrighteousness, ungodliness, excuse me, and unrighteousness of men who, and this is what he's saying happens, they suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Kind of close your eyes to what you know to be true. Suppress it, you know. Put it down. We're going to just, let's pretend like it doesn't exist. Let's close our eyes to what we know to be true. He goes on in verse 19, because that which is known about God is evident within them. See, so you don't have to prove God to anybody. Everyone knows that God exists. They may deny it, they may suppress it, but God put it in them. God put it inside of us so we know He's true. We don't have to prove God. We just need to appeal to people's common sense. God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. Psalm 19. Clearly seen. Being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. What God is saying is, I made this so plain. Anybody can get it. It is after one. And see, when people close their eyes to the truth, when they're walking around with blinders on and blind eyes, that's the reason that they're darkened. They've done it to themselves. I've done it to myself. Listen to what it goes on to say. For even though they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. And I remember sitting... And listening to, uh, you know, great scientists, excuse me, reading about great scientists. This is a different, different story. And, and, they, and in the reading, they say, you know what we've done? We've made, we've made our belief, our atheistic mindsets, we've made this a religion. Oh, wait a minute, you can't make it a religion because you're against religion. But now we've made our own religion. We, we become darkened to the truth because we know the truth. 
We have to admit and acknowledge the truth. But because it's our religion, we cannot. He goes on to say, professing to be wise, they became fools. And exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and a birds and a four-footed animals and crawling creatures. It's obvious. So the question tonight that I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get us to before the lesson is over, have I have a blind, do I have blind eyes? Have I ever, have I ever had blind eyes? Have I ever closed my eyes, my mind to the truth? Turn to Acts chapter 28, please. Have I ever done that? I know that I have done that before. I don't know about you. Have you ever done that before? Acts 28. And I want to look, if you will, at verse 23. It's just God makes it pretty simple. If we're willing to listen. Verse 23, please. And when they had set a day for him, speaking of Paul, they came to him at the lodging in a large numbers. And he was explaining to them by solemnly testifying about the kingdom of God and trying to persuade them concerning Jesus. For both the law of Moses, excuse me, from both the law of Moses and from the prophets from morning until evening and some were being persuaded by the things spoken but others would not believe and when they did not agree with one another they began leaving after Paul and spoken one parting word the Holy Spirit rightly spoke through Isaiah the prophet to your father saying go to this people and say you will keep on hearing but will not understand And you will keep on seeing, but will not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull. And with their ears they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and return, and I should heal them. Let it be known to you, therefore, that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles, they will also listen. So here's the point, right? When, when you're studying the Bible with someone and, and they just, you know, not, they refuse to believe and just say, I, don't, I, don't, I want nothing else to do with you, then just move on to someone else. We're not trying, trying to convince people about God. We're just teaching them what the Bible says. Turn, if you will, to, to 1 John chapter 3. You ever close your eyes to... Things like the injustice in our world today. You ever close your eyes to uh, the suffering people in the world today? And, and I know that, that sometimes because of a, a lack of, of water, there's sickness or clean, potable water. There's hunger. There's, there's all this. They're, they're brethren, our brethren, um, people that, that we may or may not know. But there are people that are suffering all over the world. And the question is, church, what are we individually doing to help those people who are suffering all over the world? And I know it's hard to think about that, right? It's hard to think about all the people who are suffering in the world, and so we just don't. You ever close, have you closed your eyes to that? That there are people who are tremendously suffering, there are brethren who are suffering all over the world. 
It's easier to forget, isn't it? It's easier to close our eyes to the truth. So that way, life becomes more blissful for us. But you know, we need to know this truth. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 16. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has the world's goods and beholds his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? You see, part of our love for God is, is part of our action, right? Love is action and truth. And so we know the world's suffering. What are we doing about it, church? You ever thought about that? What are you doing individually about the world that's suffering with your financial resources? How far are you willing to go in in knowing the truth and doing something? Something small is something huge to other folks in the world. What am I doing to help those whom I know are struggling? James uh, chapter chapter 2. It's easy to close a blind eye to what what we know that exists in the world today. We don't have to worry about suffering if we're not thinking about them. James 2 in, in verse 15. If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm, and be filled, and yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. How can we say, how can I say that I have faith in God, and I trust God, if I'm not willing to help anybody else? Think about that. Do I have blind eyes? Have I opened my eyes to the truth and the reality of the fact that we are sitting in so much luxury I mean, our lives are so blissful when you compare it to the other 90% of the world. Only the 2% have two vehicles and a house or a few, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What What a blessing. Thank you, God, for that. But brethren, please don't close your eyes to the truth. There are many people who are suffering today. Not just in our community, but but outside in other countries, all all over the world. Someone might say, well, they're, they're not my problem. And I think the Bible says something about being my brother's keeper. Right? Got to help them. Look at 1 John chapter 2. Let's look back at verse, uh, verse 9. Verse 9. The one who says he is in the light and yet hates his brother is in the darkness until now. The one who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no curse or cause for stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Sometimes it's easier to be in the darkness, right? In our own minds so that I'm not condemned. It's easier to be in the darkness because they don't have to think about anyone else but my family. That's not what Christianity is about. Turn to Proverbs, please, chapter 21. It is, it is our duty as God's people to help the poor as God has so blessed us. That's what, we go to 2 Corinthians 9 all the time for offering, don't we? We always run there. I mean, even though, you know what that passage is talking about, right? It's talking about raising money to help poor people. 
and we and we go there to talk about our offering every Sunday is not really it's not even talking about that. It's talking about your money that you give on on us to to help poor people. And we just never go down the rest of it. And then it says in that second Corinthians nine, it says God will make what you give to abound even more. And then as you give, you'll never run out. You cannot give God. So when I asked the question earlier, you know, have you ever closed your eyes to the truth? Well, you know, now we're talking about, about, you know, the Bible and Bible study. And you go, oh, yeah, I get that. But what about closing our eyes to the reality of those who are suffering in the world? All over the world. All over the world. And I wonder as I, uh, you know, think about the sufferers, I wonder if I have a Lazarus at my gate. I sure hope not. There shouldn't be a Lazarus at your gate. Proverbs 21 and verse 13, uh, the Bible says, He who shuts his ear to the cry of the poor will also cry himself and not be answered. So we have this responsibility that God has given to us to, to help those who are suffering and struggling. But if I close my eyes to that, do I have blind eyes when it comes to what I know I ought to do physically to help someone else out from maybe my resources when I can I'd like to, for us to go to 2 Corinthians chapter chapter 4. So here's a, here's a true reality. I've closed my eyes before. I've done it. And I know that when it, you know, coming to the gospel and learning the Bible, um, I closed my eyes. And I don't know if it was because I just wanted to have fun or, or that Satan got a hold of me and closed my eyes but, and blinded me. But I closed my eyes to the truth. How about you? Wasn't quite ready. Not ready for that yet. No, I'm not ready for that yet. Not ready for that. No, thank you. I'd love to study, but just... I'm not ready to study yet. Have we done that before in our lives? Chapter 4, Satan's at work, see? Verse 3. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is in the image of God. Satan is, a, is an eye blinder, a heart blinder. Right? It's almost like, like if I can just make sure that you know, ignorance is bliss, just don't tell me about this, and then I'm, I'm free. No, it doesn't free us. Jeremiah chapter 5. There are folks who are perishing spiritually. There are folks who are Perishing physically. Death is all around us. Satan is all around us. Evil is all around us. Have I closed my eyes? Yeah. Yeah, I grew up I grew up in the crime capital of the world. And eventually you see so much crime, you just turn a blind eye to it. It doesn't even bother you anymore to see it. It's just you see so much of it. Right? It's a part of your everyday life. It's, just, it's everywhere. You ever close your eyes to the truth around you? Growing up and, and living your life? What does God want to reveal to me? What truth does God want me to know? When you read your Bibles, ask the Lord, God, show me what you want me to know. Give me my work, Lord God. Help me in my ministry for you.
Help me to be what you want me to be, not what I want to be. Bless me to surrender my life to you. Take me, God. Use me. That should be our prayer. And then when that, when that opportunity is there, do we take advantage of the opportunity? Or, or do we close our eyes? That can't be what God meant. I think about David. You know, he went, he went to uh, the sons of, of Jesse. He wanted to know which, which one is God anointed. And he kept looking. Well, is it this one? Is it that one? He said, that, it's got to be this one. God, it has to be that one. It has to be not always, or Samuel, excuse me, when Samuel went to Jesse. It's not always what we, what we think. Right? God doesn't see the way we see. and God doesn't think the way that we think. Jeremiah chapter 5 and verse 20. Are my eyes open? Declare this in the house of Jacob, and proclaim it in Judah, saying, Hear this, O foolish and senseless people, who have eyes but see not, who have ears but hear not. Do you not fear me, declares the Lord? Do you not tremble at my presence? For I have placed the sand as the boundary for the sea, an eternal decree, so it cannot cross over it. Though the waves toss, yet they cannot prevail, though they roar, yet they cannot cross over it. And so here's the answer to the question, well, how's the ocean stay in the ocean? Right? Someone ever asked you that question before. How's all that water stay put in all the seas? Well, God tells you, the sand. If there's a barrier, it's a, it's a, if there's a boundary, so those proud waves can't come over and flood the earth again, right? Oh, let's repeat it in the Scriptures. You talk to your friends who don't agree with the Word of God, ask them that question. Here's the answer. And then you can go into scientific, you know, I guess, um, literature to prove it to be true. And then how that saying continues to duplicate. Just, there's so much more to that. Well, God explains this, and then He says, Why don't you fear me? I put that there. Not you. <laughs> I did that. And then the question in verse 23 goes on. But this people has a stubborn and rebellious heart. They have turned aside and departed. They do not say in their heart, let us now fear the Lord our God. Do you fear God, church? You fear Him? They said, oh, we don't fear God. Right? It goes on to say, who gives, oh, here's some more evidence, rain in its season. Oh, that's where the rain comes from? Yeah, it comes from God. You didn't make it rain. I didn't make it rain. God did that. How could you not believe in God? goes on. Both the autumn rain and the spring rain, who keeps for us the appointed weeks of the harvest. It's God who's making this thing go. Oh. Have you ever closed your eyes to the truth? Turn to Ezekiel, please. Chapter 2. Every day when you wake up and, and you look around and you see the greatness of God, when you think about the great blessings of the day, do you stop and say, wow, God, thank you for today. Thank this. Here it is. I'm, I'm breathing. I'm, I'm up. I'm, I'm moving. I'm going. Lord, thank you for another day. I didn't wake up. God woke me up. Right? 
I don't have all that power. I'm not in charge of life. I'm not in charge of death. Do I fear God? Have I closed my eyes? Because I've become so comfortable with just kind of living that I've kind of forgotten about God. No, He's not number one. He's somewhere on the list. You know, like when the Twin Towers hit, God went from like being number 10 to number 1, and then after time, He went back to being number 10 real quickly in the hearts of America. Where is God in the hearts of America? Well, that's not my concern. My concern is, where is God in my heart? Where is God in my heart? So in Ezekiel's passage here, in chapter 2, we'll begin at verse 1. Then he said to me, Son of man, stand on your feet, that I may speak to you. And as he spoke to me, the Spirit entered me, and he set me on my feet, and I heard him speaking to me. And then he said to me, Son of man, I am sending you to the sons of Israel, to a rebellious people who have rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. Now, here's something we get to do. We can go back and study the lives of Israel. And then we can ask ourselves, am I like them? Because here's what God has to say about them. And if I'm like them, God is saying the same thing about me. Oh. Do you fear God, Tony? Do you fear God? Listen to what it goes on to say. And, verse 4, I am sending you to them who are stubborn and obstinate children, and you shall say to them, thus says the Lord God. All right, old church, here we go. Are we stubborn and obstinate? (laughs) Should I preach on that? No, just kidding, right? Are we? Have you ever been? Think about that. What happens when the Word of God goes out, when you're reading it at home or wherever, someone comes to you and and you're studying the Bible, and all of a sudden this verse pops out at you and it reveals who you are. How How do you deal with that? Stubborn and obstinate? In that way? Rebellious? In that way? Or do you say, oh Lord, I am so, look at what I have, I am so sorry for what I, I need to change, I need to repent. How many, how many times have you seen that in your life? See, our children need to see us repenting to God. They need to see us on our hands and knees. They need to see us in a humble state. They need to see us fearing God so they'll learn to fear God. But if they never see that, if they never see that, if they never witness that, that humility in you towards your God, what, what's going to happen to them? God says these folks are stubborn, these folks are obstinate. Uh, look down, if you will, at verse, uh, verse 5. As for them, whether they listen or not, for they are a rebellious house, they will know that a prophet has been among them. And you, son of man, neither fear them nor fear their Word. So, so this is what happens, right? The prophet comes, and he tells them what thus says the Lord. And you know what? You know what Israel would do to the prophet? They'd kill them. They threaten them. They'd kill them. They threaten them. You know, I mean, you know how many preachers have been threatened in the Lord's church because they preach the truth. Well, you know, you can't keep preaching here if if you're going to preach like that. Are we different? I wonder. Are we different from Israel? We, we, we better be. Because God called them obstinate and rebellious people and odious people. We can't be that way, church. So he, he goes on to say, look, 
Though thistles and thorns are with you, and you sit on scorpions, neither fear their words, nor be dismayed at their presence, for they are a rebellious house. But you shall speak my words to them, whether they listen or not, for they are rebellious. Wow, is that in your Bibles too? <laughs> you know, and, and what did Paul say? Preach it in season and out of season, Second Timothy chapter. I mean, is it any different? Right? Preach it in season and out of season. Because the time's going to come when they're going to want you to tickle their ears. He says, don't you do that. Right? Have I closed my ears? Have I closed my eyes to the truth? What kind of people are we today? Turn to Matthew chapter 23. So here's what we never want to find ourselves doing. We never want to find ourselves following blind guides. It just, we don't, we don't want to do that. We read this just a little bit, uh, this morning. I want to look over at verse 16. Woe to you blind guides who say, whoever swears by the temple, well that, that's nothing. But whoever swears by the gold in the temple, he's obligated, right? You start messing with my pocket preacher. And uh, we're going to have some problems. Oh, wait a minute. Well, what? Verse 17. You fools and blind men, which is more important, the gold or the temple that sanctified the gold? Oh, that, that makes sense. It, it goes on in verse 19. You blind men, which is more important, the offering or the altar that sanctifies the offering? In other words, what God is saying, your money means nothing. Don't try to hold money over God's head. God made money. God is in charge of all the banks. God owns all the banks. We have nothing in comparison to God. Live right. Remember what he said a long time ago? He said, your money is no good if your life isn't right. He says, before, when you, when you have a problem, when you've got issues in your life, before you come and lay your money inside of the collection plate when it comes around, get it right with God first, and then put your money inside of there. Yeah, that's what the Bible says, right? Listen, we have to keep things in the right perspective. And, and honor God in all that we say and do. And then this morning, verse 24, you blind guys who straight out a gnat and swallow a camel. It just doesn't make any sense. So we'll close in Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15. Have I ever closed my eyes to the truth? Do I have blind eyes? Am I living with blinders? Do I live my life and believe that I have no need of repentance? I don't know. Do you have no need of repentance? Is there anyone in this room right now who says, I don't, I don't need to pray to God and ask Him for help? Are, are there any like that here? Is, is there anyone here today who has uh, lived their lives as, as if God didn't exist? Remember a long time ago, I preached about Christian atheism. Is there anyone like that? Am I like that? Who am I? Who am I? Tonight, if you're, if you're not a Christian and you, you have a desire to surrender to Christ, have you, have you told yourself, I can do that tomorrow? T- today's the day of salvation. Today's the opportunity to be, to be baptized into Christ. To repent and make your life right with God. Today is the day for that, not tomorrow.
Tomorrow might not come. Have I, have I lived my life as if Jesus isn't coming back? Right? Like, like tomorrow's, you know, yeah, the Lord's coming back. No, the Lord's not going to come back. We've, we've been doing this every day, brother, for how long? How many years have you been alive? Every day Jesus hasn't come back. He's not coming back. Oh, but one day, if we're still alive, oh, what a surprise it's going to be. <laughs> right? Have, have I forgotten that? Have, have I prolonged in my own mind, in my own heart, my own life that, oh no, I'm going to live so long, I'm going to die a natural death, and natural, I'm, this is going to happen, and God's not coming back in our time? Is He? What do you think? And the answer is, we don't know. But if I close my eyes to the reality that Jesus could come back tonight, are you ready? Are you ready? Or have you just kind of close your eyes to that? And finally, Matthew chapter 15 and verse 13. But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father did not plant shall be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind guides of the blind. If a blind man guides a blind man, both will fall into a pit. Am I following the world or am I leading? God's people are never supposed to follow the world. We're always supposed to lead the world. The lesson is yours. Thank you for your time this evening. If we can help in any way, please make it known while together we stand and sing our song of invitation.